KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim. www.kimitzion.org Having a new week. Today is Monday. As on every Monday, today's shiur will be the shiur in the mitzvah ashavuit, the weekly mitzvah, Harav Binyamin Tavori. This week we read Parashat Vayigash, where Yosef reveals himself to his brothers as Yosef. And it says, You see that my mouth talks is talking to you. Rashi explains in the name of the Medrash, the, My mouth is speaking Hebrew. And it says so in the Targum as well. I speak to you in your language. We see that Yosef originally had been speaking to his brothers in a foreign language, to them. And that's why it says, There was an interpreter between them. But now Yosef reveals himself and says, I do speak Hebrew, I do speak Lashon Kodesh, I am indeed your brother. The Shia today will deal with the importance of Hebrew, of the Lashon Kodesh, in halachic and hashkafic terms. We know the famous Medrash in, in Shmos that there were certain significant notes about Bnei Israel in Mitzrayim, and they maintained their Jewish identity. Among the traits that are listed there, Lo Shinuat Lashonam, Lo Shinuat Shmotam, Lo Shinuat Levusham. They did not change their clothes. In other words, they wore clothes that were distinctively Jewish. Lo Shinuat Shmotam, they called themselves by Jewish names. The Lo Shinuat Lashonam, and they did not change their speech. In other words, Bnei Yisrael Mitzrayim spoke Lashon Kodesh. Throughout Jewish history, we know that the Jews have been exiled to many countries and spoke many languages. And therefore, even in ancient times, many of the Svarim, many of our works, of our important literature, are found written in foreign languages. The Rambam wrote Pirush HaMishnayis in Arabic. The Rambam wrote Moran in Arabic. Later on in life, he wrote, of course, the Mishnah Torah in Hebrew, and in one of his famous letters, the Rambam bemoans the fact that he originally written in Hebrew. And there might be that he had not written in Hebrew. And there might be certain reasons why the Rambam really lamented the fact that he had written in Arabic originally. One of them is because we believe that Hebrew is the eternal language. At one point in Jewish history, perhaps everyone thought that Arabic would be the national language of the Jewish people, if not their national language, but that's the language that everybody would speak. And today, of course, very few people speak and can understand the literary Arabic. On the other hand, Hebrew has been revived, Lashon Kodesh is being used, and Sfarim written in Lashon Kodesh are still dominant in the world of Torah literature. The Rambam simply might feel for that pragmatic reason he's sorry that he did not 
write his original works in Lashon Kodesh. It may also be that he felt that Torah should be written in Lashon Kodesh and Torah should be learned in Lashon Kodesh. The Mishnah in the beginning of the second parak of Bracho says that Torah nemeris b'chalashon. Torah can be said in any language. The Rishonim there have a problem explaining what it means any language. If it's referring to Kriyasa Torah, that reading of the Torah can be done in a different language, whether that's true or not may be a, an important question. But the whole Kriyasa Torah is only the Rabbanan. The fact that we read the Torah today on Mondays and Thursdays and Shabbos is basically a Takana originally of Moshe Rabbeinu and then increased upon and added to by Ezra. But there's no biblical obligation to read the Torah on a regular basis. So Rishonim asked, why does the Mishnah say that Torah and the Maris B'chalashon Torah can be said in any day? And there are Rishonim, the Ravid, quoted by the Shita Mukbetas, there in Brachas, the beginning of the second parak, the Me'iri there at the beginning of that second parak, raised the question whether really the mitzvah of Talmud Torah can be fulfilled in another language. And they say that is might be the Pshat of the Mishnah. Torah and the Ameris B'chalashon means learning Torah can be in any language. Although that logic seems difficult for us, because at first glance it would seem that Torah doesn't require any language at all. The mitzvah of Tamot Torah is Vagisa Bayam Valaila. Now the word Vagisa may have two meanings. One be to, to think from the word Higayon, and the other to express verbally, orally, as we find the Hegepi, the utterance of my mouth. So the simple interpretation would be that Higayon of Tamatora, logic of Tamatora, is a is a mitzvah of Tamatora. Thinking might not be at all constrained to language. When a person thinks, is it considered that he thinks in Hebrew or in another language? The Rajba and the Shagasai have a discussion of this point, whether really thinking entails language. But to say that you can fulfill Tamatora only by thinking, and yet it has to be in Hebrew, would seem really rather strange. Nevertheless, the, the Ravid and the Mi'ri both say a chidush, that Torah can be learned in any language. Apparently, there at least was a Havamina, there was a reason to think that Torah can only be learned actually in Hebrew. Let's discuss and look for the halakhic sources for the importance of the language of Hebrew. The Sifri says in Parshas Ekev, Rashi quotes it in Chumash, on the Pasuk, that famous Pasuk that we say in Kriyashma, that you have to teach your children. So Rashi says, in the name of the Safri, when the child begins to speak, Rashi, as I said before, quotes this, in Parshas Ekev, and he quotes as follows, Aviv Mesiach imo b'lshon ha-kodesh umelam Torah. His father speaks to him in Lashon Kodesh and teaches him Torah. In, the, in some versions of the Sifri, it says, Aviv medaber imo Lashon Kodesh umelam Torah. 
Interestingly enough, the obligation of teaching Torah of parents to their children is a biblical obligation that we learn obviously from this Pasuk. The Gemara in Sukkah, Daf Membeis, says, Cotton a cotton who is capable of speech, who knows how to speak, Aviv Melamdo Torah Kriyashma. His father should teach him Torah and Kriyashma. It doesn't say there a word about Lush and Kodesh. So we have two sources. The Sifri that says Lush and Kodesh and Torah, but does not mention Kriyashma. The Gemara in Sukkah is referring to Torah and Kriyashma, but without Lush and Kodesh. And the Tosefta in Chagiga says, All three are mentioned in, in the Tosefta. The difference between the Tosefta, the Sefri, and the Gemara may be explained as follows. When the when the Gemara says, I think that's referring not to the mitzvah of Talmud Torah that the father has of but that's referring to the concept of Chinuch Lemitzvahs. The whole Brisa there in Mesech HaSukkah is referring to Achiyuv Drabanan. Achiyuv Drabanan of, of educating a child or training a child and doing mitzvahs. Now in Talmud Torah, there's the only exception to the concept of Chinuch seems to be Talmud Torah. Chinuch seems to be a rabbinic law, a mitzvah de Rabbanan, for the father to be mechanech his child. And the Gemara says in, in Nazir Davchavtes explicitly that Chinuch is a chiyuv de Rabbanan. On the other hand, the mitzvah of Alimatem Osamas Benechem that mitzvah of teaching your child Torah, that the Gemara explains in Kiddushin, is obviously a mitzvah daraisa. So why does the Brisa in Sukkah include Katnei Odeila Dabir Ovid Malamdo Torah in that whole list of mitzvahs there in Sukkah, which are based on the Rabbanans? Those are all mitzvahs of Chinuch. So it seems to me that the mitzvah of Torah has two elements in it. One, the father has to teach his son Torah as a special obligation, a biblical law, a mitzvah that writes to teach him Torah. But there's another there's a concept of a chinuch of learning. Chinuch of learning is to practice learning, not necessarily what the father has to teach the son because of the Din Torah, but the same way a father has to educate and train his son to wear tzitzis, to say kriyashma, all those mitzvahs that are listed off there in Sukkah Dachman Beis. There's also a concept of katna yodeya aladaber avid malam Torah. So therefore, over there, in terms of chinuch, Chinuch of doing mitzvahs, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is not mentioned. What, are, what is mentioned is Talmud Torah and Kriyashma, which is referring specifically to the mitzvah of Chinuch Rabbanan, and Lashon Kodesh is not mentioned. In the, in the Sifri that we mentioned before, there it seems that both are mentioned. Lashon Kodesh and Melam Torah. Why is Kriyashma not mentioned? Why are the other mitzvahs not mentioned there? So it would seem that the Sifri is referring to a biblical obligation of what a father has to teach his son. The rabbinic ab- obligations that there's a b'risa and the sukkah, that are, there are other sources for it as well. But that particular Sifri that says, B'nei 
התינוק בנך ולימדתם מוסלמס בנכם, התינוק מסחר דבר אבי מדבר מלאב של קדוש מלאב תורה, might be referring to a biblical obligation. If that would be true, then we would say a, a major chiddish. Not only is the obligation of a father to teach a son Torah, but medaber imo b'loshon kodesh or mesiach imo b'loshon kodesh to speak Hebrew to his son to educate him to practice speaking Hebrew loshon kodesh is a mitzvah daraisa. The the third source that I said the Tosefta and Chagiga there it seems to be everything is mentioned because it has Shema. Torah and Russian Kodesh. So there, Kriya Shema certainly is at Rabbanan. When it says Torah and Russian Kodesh, it's hard to say whether he's referring to the Mitzvah Daraisa. As I said, it seems from the Sifri that Torah and Russian Kodesh is a Mitzvah Daraisa, or maybe he's referring to all of them as a concept of Chinuch, which is Rabbanan, as we said from the Gemara and Sukkah, and therefore, but he also includes Russian Kodesh. The be that as it may, in all three sources, we see that it might be a mitzvah daraisa, certainly at least a durabanan, of an f- obligation of a father to speak with Lashon Kodesh with his son. And the Rambam is very well known to have said in Pirkei Avos, or in the Mishnah, have deserved the mitzvah kala kebachamura, the, the Mishnah says a person should be careful of an easy mitzvah. The same way you should be careful of a, of a hard mitzvah. Now, when we talk about a hard mitzvah, mitzvah chamura, we could talk in one of two ways. We could talk, there's a mitzvah chamura because it's hard to do. Or we could talk about a mitzvah chamura that we know it's a very, very severe mitzvah because the punishment or the threat of punishment for not fulfilling such a mitzvah is very severe. For example, the mitzvah of bris milah is the one of the two or three mitzvahs in the Torah where a person who does not do it is chayav kares. A person who's not nimol, a person who's not circumcised, is actually chayav kares. A person who does not bring carbon pesach is chayav kares. So it seems that those mitzvahs are mitzvahs chamuros. They're even though they are positive mitzvahs, but they're very chamur. Some mitzvahs might be chamur because they are hard to keep. It seems to me, for example, that the mitzvah of Kibbut Av might be a difficult mitzvah to fulfill. The whole Sugyan Kedushin has all these remarkable stories about people who kept Kibbut Av to such a degree, and yet the Chachamim said they did not yet fulfill their obligation. It seems that Kibbut Av is extremely, extremely demanding. But what would be a mitzvah kala? A mitzvah chamura, we suggested, could be either in terms of punishment or in terms of severity of keeping the mitzvah. But what could be a mitzvah kala? In terms of reward, we certainly don't know what a mitzvah kala. So it would seem that a mitzvah kala would be a mitzvah that's easy to perform or not so difficult. So the Ramam gives two examples. The Ram gives one example of Simchas Yantif. A person who's happy in Yantif it seems to be ostensibly a rather simple mitzvah to fulfill. If the mitzvah of simcha is indeed just to eat some meat and drink some wine or to have outer manifestations of happiness, there seems to be a mitzvah kala. In terms of a mitzvah it's difficult to do, it doesn't seem it's difficult to do because people enjoy it. You want to do it. You want to have fun. You want to be sameach. But the Ram gives another example there of speaking Lashon Kaddish. 
So you see from this Rambam that speaking Lashon Kodesh is indeed a mitzvah, and not just a mitzvah that seems to be incumbent upon the father, but actually a mitzvah of speaking Lashon Kodesh. The amazing thing, of course, is that nowhere do we find in the world of Halacha, in the Shulchan Aruch, or the Rambam. In the Rambam's magnum opus, Mishnah Torah, in the whole Shulchan Aruch, I found no mention of this mitzvah of speaking Lashon Kodesh. When we have so many sources, the Sifri, the Bavli, the Gemara and Sukkah, the Tosefta and Chagiga, all expounding upon the obligation of a father speaking Hebrew, speaking Russian Kodesh with his son, it seems rather surprising that we don't find this in the, in the Rambam or in the Shulchan Aruch. And the one, the first that I know of who pointed this out is the Torah Tamima. In fact, the Torah Tamima wrote an entire treatise called Safale Nemanim, which is given totally to the topic of the importance of Lashon Kodesh. And therefore he said that it's very astonishing that no one seems to have quoted this Sifri, the Tosefta, the Yerushalmi that we'll get to soon, as a halacha. And he says it would be difficult to think that the Rambam thinks it's only an asmachta. Perhaps the Rambam thought, you don't take the Gemara literally, it's an asmachta. Whatever asmachta means is not our discussion right now. But the Torah says the Rambam did not consider an asmachta because it's clearly a mitzvah that he quotes in the Perusha Mishnayis. And the words that the Torah quotes... Mitzvah kala, mitzvah sheyechashe beishikala kesim chasarega velimod lashon hakodesh to learn lashon hakodesh. So how come he left it out? The Torah Tmima himself suggests two answers, and he says, one, perhaps this mitzvah only applies to Eretz Yisrael at a time when Bnei Yisrael inhabit Eretz Yisrael, and not when they're in Galut. Because he says, when you're in Galut, and the spoken language in your country is not Russian Kodesh, and that is the language in which people converse in their normal language, it would be very difficult to, to require people to learn Russian Kodesh and speak Russian Kodesh. But, of course, the Rambam would have written this mitzvah does apply in general, it could be that under certain circumstances it's a mitzvah for whatever reason that's difficult or impossible to fulfill. But nevertheless, it should be me- mentioned someplace. So the Taratimimah goes and suggests another explanation. Perhaps it's mitam Because there's a statement that says be careful not to be involved too much into inquiry. Higayon might be logic, but here it probably means some sort of inquiry, and we'll get to that later. The simple explanation, one of the simple explanations that could be offered was the Ram did not quote it because indeed the Ram does quote the mitzvah of learning Torah, the obligation of a father to learn Torah. And perhaps the Ramam has said it is a mitzvah kala, 
But it's not a mitzvah per se, it's a heksher mitzvah. It's something that's required in order to understand Torah. It seems pretty obvious that knowing Lashon Kodesh would be a, a, obviously of major importance in understanding Torah, and not just Torah Shebichsav, but to understand our texts, to understand our Rishonim, to understand our, 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 our Sifrei Psak, to understand everything that we have in Torah literature, or much, much of what we have in Torah literature. And therefore, it would be a conditio sine qua non for the for Talmud Torah. And if a father is required to teach his son Torah, or if a person is required to learn Torah, then it might be the considered a heksha mitzvah. In which case, perhaps the Rambam did not spell it out so clearly in, in in the Mishnah Torah, because when he said you have to study Torah, it might be self understood that this is what you have to do. In fact, in the Rushalmi that I just briefly mentioned before, the Yerushalmi says that a father has to teach his son instead of the words that we used before, the Mesiachim of Talmud Torah, Aviv Medabim of Lashon Hakodesh, Aviv Melamdo, the Tosefta of Melamdo Shema V'Torah V'Lashon Kodesh, the Yerushalmi uses the words Lashon Torah. Not just Lashon Kodesh, but Lashon Torah. Perhaps the obligation of teaching Lashon Kodesh according to Rishalmi is specifically because it's Lashon Torah, because not just because it's Lashon Kodesh, because it's Lashon Torah. And therefore, it's important to understand Torah, for to understand Ivrit, to understand Lashon Kodesh well, and therefore it's a Hachshim mitzvah, and therefore it's not counted in the, in the mitzvah. Of course, there are opponents in general to the idea of speaking what we call today Ivrit, what I've been using as the words Lashon Kodesh. The Satner Rebbe, Rabbi Yoel Teitelbaum, was one of the most outspoken, vociferous people who spoke against using what we call today modern Hebrew as speech. And he distinguishes between what we call Lashon Kodesh and what we call Ivrit. Lashon Kodesh seems to be, according to his theory, the Lashon in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, the language in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu communicated to our Avos, the language in which, in which the Torah was given. But as life evolved, today we're in the 21st century, and we use words that are not found in Tanakh, we speak a vernacular of Hebrew, which is not only based on words in Tanakh, or sometimes there were words borrowed from Tanakh, the Satmar Rebbe was particularly perturbed as, as for an example by the word chashmal. We use today the word chashmal for electricity. And the, and the Satmar Rebbe pointed out that chashmal in Tanakh is referred to as some sort of an appearance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, umitocha kechashmal kein chashmal mitoch eish. The beginning of Yechezkel says somehow the glory of God appeared as kein, like chashmal. And we use that holy word, and we use it for electricity. That bothered the Satmar Rebbe very much, and therefore he felt Lashon Kodesh is one thing and Ivrit is another. But Rabbi the Satna Rebbe went even deeper than that. He tried to explain a whole ma'amar, a whole essay was devoted to the topic of, of Lashon Kodesh. 
it is an expansion of a letter that he originally wrote to Rav Pinchas Hirschsprung, who was the Gon of Montreal, and in which Rav Hirschsprung apparently had written to Lubavitcher Rebbe propounding the use of the la- of la- what we call today Ivrit of Lashon Kodesh, and the, uh, apparently the Satner Rebbe decided to answer him and explain to him why he disagreed. One of the issues that he raised is the fact that the Rambam in Pirush HaMishnayis did say that it's a mitzvah of learning Lashon Kodesh, and nevertheless, in the Mishnah Torah, he didn't quote it. So Rav Yohel has this interesting idea that instead of just saying the Rambam changed his mind, which is possible, because the Rambam wrote Pirush HaMishnayis when he was younger, and very often we find places that the Rambam changed his mind. One time I heard from Rav Salavechik that uh, there was a certain Rambam that I was discussing with him, and I said the Rambam changed his mind about this Rambam. So he said to me, yeah, but before he changed his mind, he was also the Rambam. So it behooves us to understand what the Rambam thought originally, and the fact that someone changes his mind does not necessarily mean that his original opinion was, is, was incorrect. It could be that we should look at it as the Machlokas Rishonim, the Rambam against the Rambam. So that might be a, a truth in that the Rambam did change his mind. Nevertheless, the Rambam in Purushim Shnayis did say that it's a mitzvah of learning Lashon Kodesh. Rabbi Yoel suggested that the Rambam, in theory, thought you should learn Lashon Kodesh, but Lema'aseh, tactically, he thought that you should not. And that's why the Rambam omitted it from Mishnah Torah. The basis for this argument has a number of ramifications in, his, in the thought of the Satmar. One of them is he thought that when a child would learn with his father, so in a way he would be autodidactic. Originally the idea was that a father should learn with his son. A child learning with his father would obviously entail private tutoring, but it would be assumed that the father could not teach his child full-time. After all, he has a job. He has a, a personal life to attend to. And therefore, there's only a certain amount of time he could learn. And therefore, in order for the child to develop himself, the father would have to teach him tools of learning Lashon Kodesh. But after the Takana of Rabbi Shubin Gamla, that famous Takana that was instituted to have public education, and now children can actually learn in a sense, longer hours, and learn more with a teacher. Reviol suggested when you learn more with a teacher, there is not as much of a need to be autodidactic, and therefore there's a point in learning with a teacher and having the teacher explain to you the truth. Having your teacher explain to you the pshat. Of course, this is seems to me rather strange that really the purpose of the new system of education is not to be autodidactic? That a person should not be able to learn by himself? Is there really a reason why a person should not be given the tools to develop his own self, his own abilities? 
Do we really have to be spoon-fed at all times by teachers? Nevertheless, this is one of the answers that Rav Yerl suggested that today, when we have a theory of education, Lashon Kodesh is not a requirement. Of course, uh, the other element obviously affected Rabbi Yorel's thinking. We thought that learning Lashon Kodesh has within it a concept of Kedusha, a concept of Hechshah Mitzvah of Talmud Torah, and obviously Lashon Kodesh. But we should be aware there is also a nationalistic element in the study of Lashon Kodesh, and therefore we would include Ivrit as well. Obviously Rabbi Yorel the Satna Rebbe would be very much opposed to any such idea of speaking about Ivrit or Lashon Kodesh as a nationalistic element. But we have many other Gedolim who really emphasized the concept of the language of Lashon Kodesh today, Ivrit, as maintaining Jewish identity and maintaining Jewish pride. Rav Henkin who was one of the greatest poskim of America in the 40s and the 50s, has written much about the language of Lashon Kodesh. And he said that, of course, without Shemir HaSal Torah, of course Torah is the most important unifying point of the Jewish people. But for those people who believe in Shomrei Torah, so he says, and I quote, Ha'ivrit l'shoneinuhi v'lo'od el'ashekdoshalanu. Ivrit is not only our language, it's holy. So it's two things. A, it's our language. But beyond that, it's holy. And he said, we've always used Hebrew. Kol ba'a nechtavu after Nevoa, all the all our rebbe's, at least most of them, as I said, some of the svarim were actually not written in Hebrew, but most of them were written Lashon Kodesh. Chalifot amichtavim ayatamid beivrit. Even when we wrote letters to each other, we used to write in ivrit. Even a person who was not a scholar. But yet, he used to speak a language that had many, many Hebrew words, both in writing and in speech. And therefore, it is a strong commitment, a strong binding point of the Jewish people. Of course, with Shmirat Hat Torah Vatfilah of course, Rav Hankin would add, the unifying force of having a national language is important, but yet, it must be combined with Shmirat Torah and Tfilin. And we go back to that Chazal that say that the merit of Bnei Yisrael for which they deserved the Geulas Mitzrayim was lo et l'shonam among the other things they did not change the language. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein as well points out in Igros Moshe Evan Ezer Chelek Gimel that it's not usher to speak another language. The same way, Rabbi Moshe Paskind, it's not also to call people by secular names, by non-Jewish names, but it's, it's somehow 
something not to be appreciated. Meguna, from the word gnai, actually means some sort of a disgrace. Iser mamish but there's no iser. And he said, it's like not changing your language. And then he says, and I quote, Chazinan, even though there's a mitzvah to speak Lashon HaKodesh. Now that's not exactly what the way I quoted it. I quoted Aviv Mesiach Imo, or Aviv Melamdo, but Rav Moshe explained, who mitzvah There is a mitzvah to speak Lashon HaKodesh. But he says, There's no Easter yet to speak another language. Because Throughout Jewish history, we've been speaking the vernacular. And everybody did. Everybody. It's true that many people did not speak Lashon Kodesh. Nevertheless, Rabbi Moshe ends that it's a mitzvah to speak Lashon Kodesh. It's a significant point in Geulah Yisrael. And according to Rav Henkin, it's also a unifying force in Klai Yisrael. So this year is ironic in the fact that I try to explain the importance of Lashon Kodesh, the importance of Ivrit, both in halachic and hashkafic terms, and nevertheless, this year was given in English. We hope that one day, everybody, all our friends, all our students, will be able to speak and understand Lashon Kodesh, that we no longer need to use translations.